for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, all scripture is God-breathed, and all of it is profitable. If you're anything like me, you probably spend most of your time in the New Testament, but it's also good for us to read the Old Testament, because these things were written for us and for our salvation. And uh, it's, it's an amazing book. Yes, there are things that we struggle with as we read this particular book and th- those that follow. Probably one of the hardest books to ever read is a book of Judges. But they're there. It's in the Word of God. And all Scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable. And so as we look at this particular book here... Uh, We would call it one of the historical books these days, but in the Hebrew Bible, it was known as one of the former prophets. Uh, It was part of the prophetic word of God, which consisted of Joshua and Judges and Samuel and Kings. These were the former prophets, because this is not just history. This is about God and a God who speaks into human existence and who not only speaks into human existence, but brings his purposes to pass. So what he says will be done. It may take time, but it will come to pass. And so Joshua is a prophetic book. It's part of the Hebrew former prophets, and then we get the later prophets. And you know, God is a God who speaks into our lives. We don't just exist, or we shouldn't just exist. We should be living in a relationship with God whereby we are... Uh, hearing from him and knowing what he is saying to us both individually and corporately as a body. Because that is where true life is in relationship with God and listening to his voice. And so as we read this particular book, it's good for us to, to be aware of the background. And it's interesting that in the day and age in which we live, uh, there is an interest in our ancestry. There is an interest in our history. People want to know their roots. They, they want to know where they're connected. Where do I connect in life? Whom do I connect with? Where have I come from? Who am I now? And where am I going? They are big questions for the world at large. And they're questions that we need to be able to answer. and We need to be able to, to root our lives in the big story. And uh, so when we, we think of this big story, that this, this, this earth, this planet, humanity didn't just come into being. It just didn't evolve out of nothing and is going towards nothing. It, it's, there is an intention that at the back of this universe, there is, as we've been singing and celebrating this morning, a, a great big God, a God who is far mightier than we possibly realize. A God who flung stars into space and knows them by name. A God who finally tuned this universe and made a planet on which he could create humans in his own image to exist, to live out their lives to his glory and praise. We, that is the background in which we must place this story that this God created the heavens and the earth. This God created humanity in his image and it's knowing God and knowing the image he has created us in that that gives us significance. So many people today are looking for some form of identity, looking for some sort of significance in their lives. 
And that significance is knowing the God who created, the God who sustains, and the God who has come to us in Jesus Christ. The God who, even when humanity, those who had been made in his image, rejected him and said, I'm going to do it my way, came after them in the person of his son and took on flesh and lived here and and was tempted in all points as we are and yet never sinned and then went to the cross bearing our sin and then dying there and rising again and, and today is alive at the Father's right hand. This is the God that we are talking about and the God who this book is about. And the, the thing is, when we read the book of Joshua, we can get wrapped up, up, in, up in story. And boy, is it a fast-paced story. It, is, it, is it an exciting book? And we can get wrapped up in the story of Joshua and, and all of those with him as they advance into the land, as they take the land, as they come up against various obstacles, as they come up against the kings and these city-states, and as they defeat them or are defeated and discover the ways of God. We can get taken up with them, but essentially the book of Joshua is all about God. It's all about God. And it would be remiss of us to to think that it's just about a group of people who heard God and took the land. Because at the end of the day, it's about God fulfilling his purposes in human history. And that is what our lives are about. They are about God fulfilling his purpose in human history. So it's God's story. It's about the fact that God speaks that he promises and that his promises will be fulfilled. Even if they take... 400 years. And that was how long they had been waiting to enter into this land. And the peoples of the land, as it says in Genesis, they, had, they, they, were, they, they were a sinful people. And over 400 years, their sin continued to express itself in all sorts of horrendous ways. So that after 400 years, they were ripe for the judgment of God because He is a holy God. And as you read this story, you, you are taken up with the fact then that it's about God. God is the, the big player. He is the big dramatist. He is the great actor in the story of human history. And I want to ask you this morning, do you recognize him in your life? Do you recognize God's hand? We've heard some testimonies this morning, and it's good to hear testimonies where we recognize the presence, the activity, the promise, the fulfillment of God in our lives. And as you, you read this story, you, you discover it's not just about the individual, it's about the community. We, we live in an age of individualism, where suddenly even in Christian circles, it can be you in your small corner and I in mine, and we, we just live out our lives for Jesus, uh, disconnected from one another. But God's great purpose has been a family. It has been a community. When we think of the letters that are written in the the New Testament, we so often read them as words that are to us personally, but they are words to a group of people. They're words to communities of people. And this book is, yes, is written to us individually, but it's also written to us corporately. Scripture speaks of both the individual and it speaks of the community. Both go hand in hand and we partner together with God and with one another. It's not about lone rangers. It's about a people who learn to walk together with God, to keep in step with the Spirit together. Now, someone may say in looking at this, well, how does this relate to me? How does, how does, how does Joshua relate to me? Because after all, if I've got Jesus, I've got everything. 
that's it. It's done, isn't it? After all, I, I'm in Christ, so everything is complete. I, I don't need to do anything. And, and there's a sense in which that is true, but there's also a sense in which it is not true. There is a sense in which we have everything, but there's also a sense in which there is more to enter into. And we need to understand that as God's people. Scripture speaks to us that through Christ we come to saving faith, that through simply trusting in Him we are born again of the Spirit of God. We pass from death into life. We pass out of darkness into light. We, we come from the domain of Satan into the domain of God's Son. That we are indeed completely new creations in Christ Jesus. That uh, there is therefore now no condemnation if you are in Jesus. There is no judgment hang- hanging over you. That should deserve a hallelujah, shouldn't it? Yeah? I mean, that is exciting news that through Jesus this morning, you are forgiven of every sin, that the whole of your life has been taken into, ca- into account, past, present and future, and he has paid the price for your sin. Hallelujah. Yes. And through him, we are totally forgiven. And we have a complete and full standing with God in Jesus Christ. We have a new identity as sons and daughters of the living God. And this is one of the things that is brought out in Freedom in Christ. And we commend that to you. Yes, the present course is full up, but book him for the next one if you would like to know more. But we have a new identity. We're sons and daughters of the living God. I am the son of a king. Amen? And you are the son or the daughter of the king. And that that, that gives us something which is unerasable. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what the devil might throw at you. However he might come at you, he cannot rob you of that. Praise God. That's wonderful, isn't it? And we need to rejoice in that. That in Christ we have everything. I am forgiven. I am clean. I have a new relationship with God. I have a full and complete relationship with God. But having said that, when I read the New Testament, it tells me that though I am saved and on my way to heaven, I am not sitting here, not meant to be sitting here twiddling my thumbs. That there is more. There is a greater vision for your life. And sometimes we can be in danger of saying, well, the vision is simply getting saved. And I think perhaps as a young person, that's what I thought. Everything was about getting saved. And yes, we need to be saved. I need to be right with God. You need to be right with God. But there is a bigger vision that God has for you and he has for me and he has for us. And it's a vision that will encompass the whole of your life until the day you die. So those who are retirement age... You are not retired from the purposes of God. Amen? Yeah. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. There may be reshaping, refocusing, etc., etc., but there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. God will be busy at work with us and through us till the day that we die. Amen? That means every day of your life, Every day of my life has purpose before God. Even Monday morning, when you get up and you look and you think of all those situations you're going to face when you go to work, it still counts. It still counts. 
And we need to remember that. So scripture talks about, it has all these expressions. So there's Paul who, who, who says that the way he had lived in the past was, was just nothing. It was just, it was just, it was just dung. And, but now he's in Christ and, 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 and now he finds fulfillment in him. And yet he says, finding fulfillment in him, I, I discover that though he has laid hold of me, yet there is even more to lay hold of. Yeah? So even if you know Jesus this morning, to you, there is more. You can get to know him better. You can get to experience him more. There is much more to know in your life uh, in this uh, wonderful thing that he has called us into. So will you turn to the person next to you and tell them, there's more. Now say it as if you believe it. Go on. There's more. Okay. Now you've got to believe that. Otherwise the devil will rob you and you will simply exist. Doesn't mean you won't, it doesn't mean you'll lose your salvation, but you'll exist simply as a forgiven son, daughter of the living God. But God has a purpose for you. God has a, a plan for your life. And he wants you to discover that plan and live into that plan. Now this book of Joshua, it's a fascinating book. It's a book of two halves. The first half, from, je- from chapter 1 through to chapter 12, it, it's just kind of action-packed, where we see the uh, fulfillment of the promises that have been made to the Father. It's full of action. And things just happen here, happen there. Boom, 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 boom. And then you get to the second half book of, of the book, and still the same story, but it slows down. Doesn't mean that God is not active, he is. Some of you may be in a season where there's a lot happening at this moment in time, and it's a job to keep up with God. And others, you might be in a situation where it's, it's, it's taking longer. There may be something you're waiting for. There's a promise you're holding on to. There's a prophetic word that you've got, and you haven't seen the fulfillment of it yet. And maybe the enemy would even come and discourage you for the fact that there's a brother or sister who's got a prophetic word and they've seen the answer in a matter of days. And God doesn't want you discouraged. He wants you to hold on to that word. There are times and seasons in God. So it's action-packed and the promises are being fulfilled both in the first half and in the second. Yes, the second half is moving at a slower pace, but the push is still in the same direction. Amen? And I want to ask you, if you're in one of those slower paces of life at the moment, is your push still in the same direction? Do you still have a vision that compels you to move forward in Christ? Is your push still in the same direction? Or are you allowing the enemy to say, he's passed you by. You're out of the race. Because that's not what Father would say. Scripture speaks of the people of God on a journey. Not simply being saved and heaven bound. It abounds with exhortations to press on, to to lay hold of, to to add to your faith, to to grow in knowledge, to grow in grace and wisdom, to pursue the gifts, etc., etc. 
So yes, in Christ we have everything. But all, there is so much more to know in him and through him. As you look at this story, primarily then it's about what God is doing. And, and uh, when we step, if you step back over into Deuteronomy, you would read these words in Deuteronomy 1 verse 8. See, I have given you the land. This is God speaking. See, I have given you the land that I swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. These were people who had heard God. These who were people who had continued on a journey. And my, that journey took some twists and turns along its way. God had spoken. God had said to them, I will give you a land. I am giving you the land that I swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants. So it's about God. It's about the fact that God has given. It is his prerogative to give them this land. The land doesn't belong to Canaan, to the Canaanites. It belongs to God. It is his prerogative to give them that land. And he says, I have given you the land. So God is the the script writer. He is the, the guider of our destiny. And he will give you the land. So in Christ, he says, I have given you everything. Everything. But then in the next breath, it says something else. It involves their cooperation. Go in and take possession. So yes, God had given them the land. It was theirs, but they had to go in and take possession of that land. It's their responsibility to do that. So the Christian life then is a a matter of response to and participation in the actions of God. What God is saying, what God is doing. I grew up in a a farming background and we often talk about farmers growing wheat or uh, they might be fruit growers and, you know, apples and pears and so on. But you know, a farmer doesn't grow anything. Did you know that? A farmer does not grow anything. He cooperates with God in the process of growth. And so he might plough a field and sow a seed. And then might wait for the rains to water that seed. Or he might use water that's available. But he can't make that seed germinate in and of itself. It only germinates because God created it. And so life suddenly comes and, and then he just nurtures that life until it reaches a point where it is fruitful. And that's a a good picture of what this is all about. So we we cooperate with God in our lives. God is the commander of our destiny. He has given to us a land, but he says, "You you must take it. Graham, in week one, raised the question of personal vision. Do you have one? Can you... Does it have shape to it? Does it have focus to it? And I want to ask a question in in this line, because we can very often think about personal vision, about me having a better job or a better house, a better holiday maybe. And they may be good things, but to start with, as we look at this whole aspect of of vision, this aspect of of, of life in God, what is the, the question I want to ask this morning is, what is your spiritual vision? What is your spiritual vision. What are you looking for as a Christian? Are you 
the same as you were 10 years ago? Or are you growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? What is, so then I want to ask this question, what is our promised land? What is your promised land? What is my promised land? And there's a big interest at the moment on, on spiritual formation because we live such fast lives. Lives that just seem to almost control us at times. You know, I've got to go to work and there's an agenda there to be fulfilled. And then when I come home, perhaps I've got a family and there's things I've got to sort out. And it just seems as though life controls me and I just do what needs to be done. All very necessary things. But what about our spiritual formation? So there's this question being raised. And so you've got things cropping up today like, you know, mindfulness. Uh, where people just step back from life and just, hey, what's going on here? And if you're a Christian, where's God in my life at this moment in time? And, And how do I live out and do this life with God? So, what is this promised land? What is, what is your promised land? What about spiritual formation? And the first thing I want to say about that is it's participating in the life of Christ in this union that we have with Christ, on being Paul's big thing as you you read his letters is, we are in Christ. We are united with him. Now I can just mentally acknowledge that, or I can press into that land and discover more of what that is about. Spiritual formation results from our cultivating of this union, wanting to know him. This This was Paul, he was saying, I know him, but I want to know him even more. I I, I really know this Jesus, but I'm actually discovering that there's more to know about him, more to discover about this union with him. If we get our Christian lives around the other way, we'll become, we'll get into self-development. And that results in frustration and disappointment. So you pick up your Bible and you think, I really need to read my Bible. So you, you try, you, perhaps you make that vow at the beginning of the year, I'm going to read my Bible in a year. Three months in, you've got to Leviticus. <laughs> you've got to Leviticus and you've hit the wall. Eh? How many have been there? You know, you get to there and it's like, oh my, oh my, oh my. And your Bible reading endeavours end there. You see, we don't read the book simply to to read the book. I read the book because I want to know him. And I want to understand his ways. I want to understand how he speaks. I want to understand his purposes. So I read the book with with a purpose. Because in the book, I want to encounter him. I want that prophetic word to speak prophetically to me in my day. To know him, to, to love him, to, to serve him. That, that, is, that is what it's about, being formed in Christ. It's this dynamic union with him, and I haven't got time to dig any more into that, but it, it, is, it, it is where we get into that place of drawing on the very life of Christ. And we have that life throbbing within us. It's a little bit like marriage. You know, when you start off, those of you who remember those days, who remembers the days of romance? <laughs> Heady days. 
Hey, heady days. Somewhere, bring them on. (laughs) Somewhere on planet Earth, there are films of Pam and I taken unbeknown to us and stored and held by people. And uh, I'm sure it would be really embarrassing to watch them. But heady days. And I, do you know, I thought I knew my wife. Yeah? As perhaps many husbands here, you, in those, those days of romance, you, you said, wow, isn't she wonderful? Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she, she great? I just want to be with this person for the rest of my life. And, and hopefully the other felt the same. And, 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 you, and then you got married. Sorry? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Did someone say they discovered the reality? <laughs> you know, and then, then you got married. Did that mean that you knew everything about that person? Do you know what? I still discover that I don't know everything about Pam. She surprises me. Yeah? Yeah, the, you know, I, I thought I knew her the day I married her. But as I have lived in union with her, as I have lived in an abiding relationship with her, as I have got to know her more and more, I have, I have become more united with her. And sometimes, you know, you find couples when... Do you know what it is when you, you get someone asked them a question and they both answer at the same time? That's what happens when you get union. Because you begin to feel one another's heartbeat. You know how the other one thinks and so on. and You're in tune with one another. That's how Jesus wants us to relate to him. Isn't that right? Now that gives me a beautiful vision of the Christian life. He's not just my saviour getting me to heaven, but oh boy, I mean he is the lover of my soul. He is the lover of my soul. He came here for me. He lived here for me. He was tempted here for me. He faced the onslaughts of the enemy here for me. And when he went to that cross, he went there because he loved me. He died for me. He took my place. He he took all my wretchedness. He went to that cross for me because he loved me. And he did the same for you. Did the same for you. He's the lover of my soul. So it's about union with him. That's a big vision. Just getting to know him more. Do you need to slow your life down to to spend time in his presence, getting to know him better? It's about enjoying the fellowship of the Father because we've been brought into a wonderful relationship with God. Spending time in Father's presence, in prayer, And in the word, do you find prayer a drudgery? Something you've got to clock off at the beginning of your day or maybe at the end of it. Do you find being in the word a drudgery, a duty to fulfill? I've got to get those three chapters done today, otherwise I'll never complete my plan. Actually, it's about knowing him. I know him by being in a place of prayer. I know him by being in his word and listening to him. I know him. I know his fatherhood.
You know, one of the dangers of the Christian life is when we don't spend time in his presence and, and we get ideas and we think they're God ideas and, and that we end up with vision that's based on immature passion rather than the voice of God. And so we go and do something. We get into the presence of God. We fellowship him. We hear him. And then we respond and it makes all the difference. It's about knowing the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome temptation, to be transformed, to be effective witnesses. It involves a a conscious and intentional response to the Spirit. I want to ask you this morning, how conscious are you of spirit fullness, of spirit activity in your life? Do you know when you, you grieve him? Do you know when you quench him? Do you know how to give place to him that he might fill you in every way? That you might be led of the Holy Spirit? Brothers and sisters, there's more. Yeah? There is more. Pursuing and exercising the gifts of the Spirit. You know, it it can be very easy to leave those to what appear to be the extrovert ones. But the gifts of the Spirit belong to the whole body of Christ. To those of us who are more passive, more reserved. Brothers and sisters, God wants to use you to bring words of prophecy, to bring tongue and interpretation. He wants you to use you to pray for the sick and see their healing. He wants a whole body immobilized, not just the extroverts. And I'm still trying to work out which one I am. If that helps you. Sometimes I'm confused whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert. Just give yourself to God. <laughs> hey. So pursuing and exercising the gifts of the Spirit. You know, they don't just fall on us. Paul says, covet or pursue the gifts of the Spirit. That's a vision. Maybe you have never entered into that realm. And I want to encourage you this morning, put that on your agenda. Get seeking God, get praying. Pursuing, exercising the gifts of the Spirit. Growing in grace and faith. Adding to your faith. Read uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Developing the creation gifts that God has given you, that they may be utilized to the full. Going on to maturity, you know, we thank God for Roy and Viv, but they leave a gap. And others have moved on as well. But that means we need to step up to the plate. God wants mothers and fathers in Israel. Others who will stand in that place and say, and sometimes that's what God does. He moves people out in order to challenge us, to cause us to, where am I? Step up to the plate. It's a bit like a relay race where you hand the baton on. There is so, so much more that we could sort of say about any of those things. But I hope you begin to see that, you know, this Christian life is not boring at all. At all. Whatever you might be going through today or might be facing tomorrow, a Christian shouldn't be bored. It's God, where are you in this? 
God, where are you in my life? God, what do you want me to say in this situation? God, how would you like me to pray about this? How would you like me to pray for this individual? And so we draw to a close. I just want to focus it in. How does it impact your life domains? It's a common phrase. These areas of life that we have, life domains. Number one, personal, my personal domain. And we've already hinted at some of that. And the first one I just want to drive home again is, do you know Christ? Do you know him as your saviour? He's here this morning to save you. All that's required is recognition of your, the fact that you are a sinner and in need of a saviour, that he took your place, that he died for you. So first of all, it's about personal faith. But as a Christian, it's also about how is my faith growing? How is my personal faith growing? Am I living more by my own endeavors than I am by trusting in Christ? My identity in Christ? My self-worth in him? Am I focusing on tasks before relationships? What about gifts and what about my time? How do I manage my time? Am I a Martha or am I a Mary? So that personal domain, that domain of your own personal life and walk with God. Then secondly, the domain of your family. That area of your parents, your spouse maybe, your children, and other influential members of your family. How does all of this impact them? Does it find a place there? Do you have a vision for your marriage? Do you have a vision for your family? One of our prayers, Pam and I's prayers uh, as, as parents was, God, let our family be a microcosm of your kingdom, a little demonstration of your kingdom where we exemplify your reign over marriage and family, how we do life together. Do you have a vision for your marriage? Do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision for your children? So many pressures upon parents today. Get a godly vision for your children. Pray over them. Pray for them. Help them each step of the way. The next domain is the church, kingdom, faith, if you like. Relating to others in the body of Christ. Church can very easily be somewhere where we come on Sunday mornings and do what we know needs to be done, where we we just come and, if you like, draw down blessing and go away and live disconnected lives. But as we've already seen in Scripture, it's not just about the individual, it's about the community. It's about church, our place in the body of Christ. What about yours? We have community groups other groups developing in different ways. But in some way, it's, it's right and it's good for us to be connected, to, to learn to, to live with one another and to, to share together in the things of God, to pray for one another, to pray through changes in life, to pray through challenging situations. It's there that we, we work out how to forgive one another, how to not hold things against one another, how to to grow in grace and faith and patience, etc. And then 
Last of all, in your work scenario. How does it work out in the domain of your work? Fourth one, one more to come. How does it work out in the domain of your work? Does your faith have a place there? Are you bringing the wisdom of God to bear in your working environment? And then lastly, the community. You know, God saved us and he gave us a purpose and that purpose involves giving back to the community in which we find ourselves. We can do that through church. We can do that through connecting with neighbourhood groups in some way. We can do that by being on school boards. We can do that by being involved in all sorts of situations. But it's a question that we ought to ask of ourselves. Is there some way I am giving back to the community of which, to which I belong? And then lastly this morning, I want to, to end by honouring somebody who had a huge impact on my life. Who passed away just a few days ago. One man's influence. He was a pastor in Maidstone for many, many years. He was an evangelist in the Assemblies of God. And it was a thrilling just to be at his funeral along with others here on Friday. So many, many others, the building absolutely packed out. People whose lives have been touched by his ministry. And I was one of them. A young person who didn't know who he was. A young person who didn't know where he was going. And I remember going to hear him the first time as a middle teenager and hearing the gospel for the first time and that gospel impacting me. Was Jesus my saviour? And I remember responding in that meeting and I certainly wasn't one of those who raised my hand. You would not get me doing that. But he presented the gospel and I heard that gospel and I've been brought up in a Christian home but I was not a Christian. I heard that gospel. In my heart, I responded to Jesus. I came to know him. We used to go on holiday with a whole group of Christians down to Polzeth. And one day, one day, Dennis needed to go and see his wife who had gone to a concert. He said, Richard, would you give me a lift? And it was one of those God moments. I was a very reserved individual. It was one of those God moments when in that car, he turned to me and he said, Richard, do you ever feel God Do you feel God calling you into the ministry? And we got to the place where the concert was taking place. I dropped him off and he said, just wait a minute. And he went and he couldn't get in. And he said, let's get back in the car and drive down to the seafront. And we went down to that seafront and we talked. 
I'm here today because of that man. Because of his influence, his encouragement over the years. There are many others too. He used to take his piano accordion along with a group of others. And, you know, in those days, the way they did mission was very simple. We believe God's called us. In the Assemblies of God, they were saying, well, yeah, let's do it. We haven't got any money to pay you. If any money comes in, we'll give you some. We don't guarantee you'll get all of it. And uh, so a group of them went on mission all over the country. They would sing in clubs and so on, all sorts of places. And people would come to Jesus and churches were established. Simple faith. But I wonder this morning, where are you in the story? God may not be calling you to that role, but he does call us to participate together with him. And each of us has influence. Let's stand and pray.